All right, if you will, in the Bible, find uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight and also find Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you need a Bible, we have extras. Ephesians 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, verse... uh, Let's start in verse uh, 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Be, uh, wherefore be ye not. Say, be ye not. Wherefore be ye not unwise. So God doesn't want us to be unwise. Amen. Uh, But he wants us to be understanding what the will of the Lord is. Sometimes uh, folks make excuses for, you know, for uh, just spiritual laziness or ignorance, and they say things like, well, you never know what the will of the Lord is. But that would contradict uh, this verse because he says, don't be unwise, but do understand. And so uh, it's possible to understand the will of the Lord. Can you say amen? And part of the will of the Lord is revealed in, as he continues here. He says, be not drunk with wine. So here's another be not. Say be not. So we've already got two be nots tonight. Be not unwise and be not drunk. Amen. Uh, uh, tell your neighbor, don't be unwise and don't be drunk. All right. Uh, He says, if there is drunkenness, then that parallels and is associated with excess or riot or other translations say debauchery. Uh, A lot of times people, you know, fail to realize just how much dumb things are associated with drunkenness. So much crime, so many, uh, you know, uh, anger incidents, so many out-of-control incidents, so many bad decisions, so many accidents are associated with being under the influence of things that, uh, that impair your judgment. Uh, God doesn't want our judgment impaired. He wants our judgment heightened and sharpened and more acute. Can you say amen? So he says, don't be drunk with wine where in his excess... But, he said, instead of being under the influence of that, be filled with or under the influence of the Spirit. Praise God. So God's command uh, shows, you know, here it's uh, both necessary and a commandment and the New Testament pattern to be filled with the Spirit. 
Say it with me. God wants me filled with the Spirit. So, uh, you know, the Greek play, and we've talked about this before, it's in the present continuous sense, not having been filled, but continuous, ongoing, progressively be being filled. Amen. So God wants us to live out of a position or a life of overflow because when something is filled, it can't run over uh, and have overflow until it's full. Right? Have you ever overflowed your tank on your, your vehicle, your gas tank? Well, to do that, you had to fill it first. It can only overflow after it's full. And so you can only have the life that God intended, the life more abundantly with overflow uh, when you're filled. And, of course, we can count on this, that if God wanted us to be filled, he has the power to fill us. And, uh, you know, if we cooperate with him, we will experience that filling. So then he talks about what the characteristics of the life of being filled with the Spirit is. He said, if you're filled with the Spirit, here's some of the overflow that's going to happen. It's going to overflow out of your mouth. He said, speaking to yourselves. So here's the overflow. Nearly in every place associated with being filled with the Spirit, the word speaking accompanies it. Like in Acts 2, they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Here he said speaking in Psalms. And so one of the witnesses and one of the things that accompanies is being filled with the Spirit is an overflow of speaking. Amen? Speaking to yourselves. Why is it necessary to speak to yourselves? Well, we know that speaking to ourselves actually charges, edifies, and builds us up. And how many knows it's important to stay charged and built up? Uh, How many knows it's important to have your battery on your car charged and built up? Right? Well, if you can't get anywhere with a a battery that's uh, flat, and not charged with your car, then you can't get anywhere in the spirit-filled life or the Christian life without having your battery charged either. So uh, look at your neighbor again and say, keep your battery charged. Yeah, keep your battery charged. Uh, Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody... In your heart to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Giving thanks. Here's another part of the spirit-filled overflow in life. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, we said in Philippians, which is the opposite of that. We read that on Sunday morning. He said, do all things without complaining. Right? Uh, Spirit-filled people are not chronic complainers. They're thanksgivers. Can you say amen? The Spirit of God will not influence you and inspire you and lead you into complaining and griping. He will lead you into singing, 
making melody, speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and, uh, and giving thanks. Can you say amen? Giving thanks when? Every once in a while? When uh, no storms are blowing and when the sun is shining and skies are blue? <laughs> giving thanks when? Always. So if you're always giving thanks, then Hemi knows that that would eliminate uh, griping and complaining. Uh, there'd just be no place for uh, griping and complaining if Thanksgiving was uh, your total, you know, time consummation, right? Giving thanks always for all things <clears throat> unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, he ends this by saying, uh, you're talking about submission. He says, submitting yourselves one to another uh, in the fear or reverence or respect of God. Uh, you're easier to get along with when you're filled with the Spirit. And church members are easier to get along with one another. <laughs> Are you still here? <clears throat> You're, you, you just navigate relationships better as a spirit-filled Christian than if you're not spirit-filled. Because if you're not spirit-filled, then you have the propensity to yield to your flesh more. And your flesh is going to, you know, of course, self-rule. It's going to cause, uh, you know, disunity and disruption and disharmony. Uh, because your flesh and the world as it is largely lies under the fall, uh, you know, the, of the old Adamic nature and of the God of this world. And uh, Satan is uh, not of peace. He's not of unity. He's of disunity. And he's of uh, uh, enmity against God. Can you say amen? So submitting yourself. So here we can, uh, you know, this is a good identification chart. You know, sometimes, you know, my oldest daughter, Mahaley, she's, you know, she's kind of not as much into it as she used to be. I think if she got in touch with herself again, she'd be more inclined. But she used to be very, uh, liked uh, birds and uh, bird watching and identification and and all the nesting and migratory and all the, you know, things. And so sometimes uh, I remember going on several occasions with her where we would go hikes and she'd have a bird identification, a book that she could identify any new birds, especially if we went out of our local area. Like we went down to South Texas one time and then a, Another time we went east, and so by different terrains and different areas, and so uh, she would identify uh, different birds and say, oh, uh, that's that. We went to the mountains, Rocky Mountains once, and she saw a lot of birds that she had on her bird-watching list that she had not saw before. But, uh, you know, you have certain characteristics that identify them. They're, you know, 7 to 12 inches high, and this is their plumage, and this is the way they act. And so here is how you identify spirit-filled Christians. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a spirit-filled Christian identification characteristic list here. And it includes speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart, uh, giving thanks always uh, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, submitting. 
Non-submissive Christians aren't spirit-filled. Griping and complaining Christians aren't spirit-filled. Non-singing, non-speaking, non-making melody Christians aren't filled. (laughs) So uh, anyway, uh, the Word of God helps us to see where we should be, amen, and gives us instructions to uh, get there. Can you say amen? Say it with me. I will strive to live the life of a spirit-filled Christian. Amen. Uh, I'd like to go into this a little bit uh, further, but I think I'll back up here just a minute. If y'all permit me, I'm going to pull up a file that has some quotes in it. Is that all right with y'all? About uh, being spirit-filled. Now, I, I think we've done some of these before, but uh, uh, that doesn't mean we're doing them. Amen? Uh, just to get a good overview of uh, what how important it is to be Uh, Filled with the Spirit, I wanted to read some of these quotes again. Praise the Lord. See, that just slipped out. (laughs) Uh, Glory to God. You know, when you don't know what to say, it's always vogue and right to praise the Lord. You know, sometimes people have said to Christians, I think that's just a habit with you. Well, you know, that's better than other habits that a lot of people have where they, you know, say other things besides edifying things. Uh, This is a quote from me. in my quotes here, based on Ephesians 5.18. Being filled with the Spirit is a command, a necessity, and the New Testament scriptural pattern. Amen? Being filled with the Spirit is a command, a necessity, and the New Testament Christian pattern. Now, how many knows that God told Moses when he built the tabernacle in the Old Testament, he said, build it according to the pattern that I showed you in the mountain. And then when they built according to the pattern, what happened? If you go back and look at both the tabernacle in the wilderness, the tent tabernacle that they moved that moved with them and they moved with in the wilderness and in Solomon's temple, When they built it according to the pattern, what happened? The Bible says the cloud filled the temple. And that they couldn't stand to minister because of the presence of the cloud there. In other words, they fell over. They couldn't stand up because the presence of God was so strong. And so the whole takeaway of that is is that God will abide upon and God will dwell in what the pattern that he gives, he will rest upon that pattern or he will tabernacle in that pattern. 
Amen. So when we do it according to God's plan, then we have God's presence. So if we live according to the New Testament pattern of not only being born uh, born of the Spirit, but being filled with the Spirit, then we have God's presence with us. Can you say amen? And that means everything. You know, Moses said, if your presence doesn't go up with us, then let's don't go. Unless the Lord, the psalmist said, builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. They got something built, but if the Lord's presence had known it, then it's just the construction and the institution of man. And the thing that makes church corporately and the thing that makes individual Christian life uh, that that God intended to be is the presence of God and following the pattern that he set. And God's pattern is to be born of the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> Can you say amen? And so what is the characteristics of being filled with the Spirit? Speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Giving thanks always in all things, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and being able to get along with other people uh, because the spirit. But if you're filled with the Spirit, you know, the Bible says God hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but He's given a spirit of power and of love. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of love. And being led by the Spirit is being led by love. Right? You know, you can answer most questions of, of what to do by just saying, what would love do? How I many knows God is love and the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. Can you say amen? That's why he said right in the middle, you know, of putting off the old man and putting on the new man, he said, uh, you know, well, we're here in Ephesians. Just turn back and you can see it real clear here in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, he said, verse 30, he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, right? Or sadden, don't sadden or grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed. How many notice that conjunction there, and? What does that go with? It goes with what's above it. It, you know, uh, verse 25 says, uh, verse 24 says, put on the new man. Uh, verse 25 says, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. How many know if you lie to your neighbor, that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit? For we are members one of another. That's disrespecting the body of Christ. Be angry and sin not. How many knows if you get angry and say things and do things that hurt other people, that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, neither give place to the devil. That'll grieve the Holy Spirit. Let him that stole steal no more. How many knows if you take other people's things, uh, you know, and don't walk in love in that regard, then that is going to grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Um, verse 29, let no corrupt communication. Now, this is the one that's directly attached to the conjunction of and about grieving the Holy Spirit. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How many knows James says concerning our mouth, that bitter water and good water are not to issue out of the same fountain. 
when he's talking about the tongue. And he said, it's wherewith we bless God, but then we curse or speak evil of other people. He said, those things ought not be. He said, no fountain, you know, does a, you know, does a fig tree bring forth briars and does a grape, uh, you know, vine bring forth, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, brambles bring forth grapes. And then he says, you know, doth a fountain uh, at the same time give both, uh, you know, uh, good water and sweet water. And, and of course, the answer is no. And so this thing with the tongue, the first member of our body when we're filled with the Spirit is affected is our, our tongue. They all begin to be filled with the Spirit and jump the pews. They may have jumped pews. They were all filled with Spirit and had a Jericho march. Maybe they did. They were all filled with the Spirit and began to shake. Maybe they did. They all were filled with the Spirit and began to roll on the floor. <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> no, they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak. So the first conquering, you know, the member of the body that is brought under the control of the Spirit of God that is to be surrendered and submitted to God is our tongue. Can you say amen? Notice, you know, I know that it mentions submission and being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, but the thing singing, making melody, speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So, you know, the Bible says uh, the tongue is the, the most unruly member of our body. You know, a lot of times when people think about sin, they think maybe about sexual sins or they think about this area or that area. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, we just don't want to go into any of those areas. And the tongue is a big area that, you know, that we need to grow in keeping surrendered to and under the influence of the Spirit of God. And it's hard to run down somebody if you're blessing God and giving thanks to God and pro uh, speaking psalms and hymns of the wonderful works of God and saying, Oh, Lord, on high, you're most wonderful and greatly to be praised. And I can't stand old so-and-so over there. They just don't go together, you know. <laughs> Are you still here? And so if you stay in that vein, it keeps you out of that vein. So the way to, 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 to you know, to, you know, the Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible didn't say walk in the Spirit and you're never going to have, uh, you know, any desire to speak evil of somebody, which is a lust of your flesh. You know, I'm doing better preaching than y'all are doing amen in tonight. <laughs> y'all are doing good. But he said, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He didn't say try with all of your might and put forth every effort of your own ability and you won't break any of the commandments. He said do the do's and if you do the do's, it'll keep you from, uh, from doing the don'ts. That's right. If you're doing the, the, the thing that's, if you're staying filled with the Spirit, then it's going to keep the, it's, it's got an automatic, uh, you know, protection, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, uh, not doing other things because if you're filled with one thing, you can't be filled with the other thing. Can you say amen? 
So the way to accomplish success and stay in victory is to walk in the Spirit. He said, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He didn't say you wouldn't have any lust. Your flesh is going to have wrong desires as long as you're here on the earth and you can't trust your flesh. Can you say amen? But the way to overcome your flesh is to stay strong spiritually and stay filled with the Spirit. Can you say amen? So this is really important. Staying filled with the Spirit is important in living a victorious life over evil speaking or any other area of the flesh. Can you say amen? Because it strengthens you and it helps you uh, to stay, uh, it, you know, it, things just work better if you just obey the Scripture and do what the Lord said. He's smart. You know, he said, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It is a wise person that stays filled with the Spirit. I've, I've been Spirit-filled before, and I've been not Spirit-filled before. And being spirit-filled is, is, is much better. <clears throat> so, well, I'm born of the Spirit, but I, I really don't know a lot about being filled with the Spirit. Well, the first step to getting filled with the Spirit is hunger and a desire to want to be filled with the Spirit. I know when I was about, uh, uh, you know, there's a big change in my life when I was about 17 or 18, uh, you know, uh, the Lord began to get a hold of my life and just I got turned on to the Word of God and, and the Lord began to work with my life. But I saw that I needed to be spirit-filled and I began to see, seek being spirit-filled, but because of wrong teaching for a, uh, for a couple of years, I wasn't. But when I was 21, I was filled with the Spirit. It made a huge difference in my Christian life and walk. And if you've got any interest in following God and following His plan for your life to get hungry, uh, to be filled with the Spirit, is one of the best things that you can ever do. Because the Bible, I mean, you know, the Bible, we've talked about it recently on several um, uh, sermons on Wednesday night. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commands. Well, what is His command? His man's is, Don't be drunk with wine, where does excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. We're never going to be able to be in life as individual Christians or corporately as a church what God intended we be or do Christian service or carry out God's plan in our life if we don't, uh, you know, consistently and habitually, uh, you know, follow Ephesians 5.18 and stay uh, filled with the Spirit. Can you say amen? So back to what we were talking about a while ago, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. Say that with me. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. To be led by love is to be led by the Spirit. Amen. Uh, you know, again, he said, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and like we've said before, the work of the Spirit is evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. So if it's the Spirit that's working in us, then it's going to bring forth the uh, fruit of the Spirit. How uh, many knows just here, speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual sings, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. What is that? Making melody unto the Lord, giving thanks. That's showing love. 
And I don't think that you could say that those things there would depress you. I think you could say that they would give you joy. And I think you, they could say that, you know, just like submitting to one another, that's going to keep the unity, so that's peace. So we've already covered three of the fruit of the Spirit already right there. Love. You know, ministering to the Lord is loving Him. Can you say amen? Uh, you know, stand filled with the Spirit is going to bring you joy. Uh, again, you know, submitting, you know, to one another out of respect in the fear of the Lord and honoring one another in that regard is going to cause peace. So here we go. Love, joy, peace. Right on down the line. If you're edified and built up, you're going to be stronger and you're going to be able to suffer long suffering. Can you say amen? You're going to be able to go a long time without uh, giving somebody a piece of your mind. Whereas if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're going to be, you know, quicker to say or do what's going to cause offense or going to break unity or whatever. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Praise God. So again, uh, back to Ephesians 4, what we were talking about. Uh, he said, uh, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby, and what he talked about in connection with that, he said, let no corrupt communication. What would corrupt communication be? What would corrupt communication be? God is life. Yeah. Corrupt communication, anything corruption would be associated with death or darkness. And that would be, uh, you know, perversity of words, uh, damning of things, uh, things that would hurt or, or bring about in, uh, insult or, or maligning or gossip. Uh, anything uh, that did not cause the will of God to be done and didn't come under the government of love would be corrupt. Colossians, he said it another way. He said, let your speech be seasoned with salt that it may minister grace to the hearer. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. What does salt do? It's a preservative element. Why is there always uh, salt added to so many foods? It's to keep, it's to preserve it. And so uh, that would be the opposite of corruption. Let your conversation, let your speech be seasoned with grace, he said, with salt, so that it ministers grace. So if it didn't edify or help, then it would be, uh, then it would be uh, corrupt communication, Right. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But, in contrast, that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Now, you know, tearing down is easier than building up. I mean, if you, if you gave me a truckload of brick out here, and some bags of mortar, uh, I could figure out, give me a plumb line, give me a level, I could probably build a wall. But it would take me a while to build a good wall because I'm not a bricklayer by trade. 
But if you give me a sledgehammer, I can tear a wall down real fast. I don't have to have a lot of knowledge to be destructive. And you don't have to have very much control. I mean, you know, I can, I've got skill to drive a car. I know where the accelerator is. I know where the brake is. I can stop without banging my head on the, on the steering wheel or the windshield because I'm stopping too fast, right? I'm not always burning the rubber off the tires, you know, or running over stuff, right? And, and the thing is, is you have to learn the control of the vehicle. I can, I can get in a, in a tank tonight and I could do some damage. I may not know how to run the tank, but I'll, I'll crush some cars <laughs> and tear some buildings apart just on a wild row without the control of it, right? And so it's the same way with, uh, you know, it takes more skill to be uh, constructive than it does to be destructive. It's easy to be destructive. Can you say amen? But the Bible says uh, that what comes out of our mouth, uh, especially if we're spirit-filled, is that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace, blessing to the hearer. Say it with me. People are the better for being around me. I edify and build people up. I don't take out of them. I put into them. Amen. Good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearer and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Back to Ephesians 5. Praise God. Don't be unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is and the will of the Lord is that we be spirit filled. Amen. All right. My quote that I gave you just from getting wisdom from the word of God, uh, not original from me. It's just quoting the word of God in another way. Being filled with the spirit is a command, is a necessity, and is a New Testament uh, pattern. Amen. Okay, test. Open book test. <laughs> Being filled with the Spirit is what? It's a command. It's not a suggestion. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but do be filled with the Spirit. Amen. So being filled with the Spirit is a what? It's a command. What is it second? It's a necessity. You can't live the Christian life without being filled with the Spirit like it should be. And thirdly, what is it? It's the New Testament scriptural pattern. So it's a command, it's a necessity, and it's a pattern. <laughs> Say it with me. It's a command... It's a necessity, and it's a pattern. Amen. Command, necessity, pattern. So if someone asks you what you learned in church tonight, you say, command, necessity, pattern, being filled with the Spirit. Do you want me to read a few more of these quotes about being filled with the Spirit? 
I think it would be good to remind ourselves of the essentialness or importance of this being our way of life. Uh, Andrew Murray, uh, which is a writer that many of us have read after, said this. He said, people ought to seek with their whole heart to be filled with the Spirit of God. Have you noticed the Bible says, seek and you shall find. Can you say amen? Uh, You know, your hunger uh, oftentimes will determine the degree of seeking that you do. The Bible says, they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek. Amen. I know, you know, in one place it said uh, that Herod, uh, this word diligent, uh, he sought diligently for the child Christ Jesus. When the wise men came, the Bible says he sought diligently. Another place, some people in the book of Acts sought diligently to take Paul's life. You know, one place he had to be let down with a basket. Another time the Roman soldiers had to rescue him. They were about to pull him apart. One time, and this is the time that I'm talking about, if I'm not mistaken, the Greek there bears out where, you know, a whole bunch of them put themselves under an oath that they weren't going to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. They were diligently seeking. I know... Uh, one time I was over at Miss Jan's house, and I think I was getting the eggs or something when she was gone. And I stopped by, and I went out there, and there was a uh, black snake about five or six feet long that was uh, in the yard outside the chicken coop. And I picked up a shovel, and uh, I wasn't trying to scare him away. I was diligently seeking his life. <laughs> I took a shot at him so hard that the, the shovel had a rubber end on it, and it hit my thigh, and it took a hunk of skin out of my thigh, and I ended up injuring myself. <laughs> I was diligently seeking his life. And that's, you know, the Bible says we'll find the Lord when we diligently seek for him. And if it's a half-hearted, you know, oftentimes in the area of seeking God, the Bible uses the word diligently seek in Hebrews 6, but other places it uses when you seek him with your whole heart, he shall be found of you. And, and there's something about when you uh, pursue God with everything, you know, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my, you know, a deer is not, you know, a thirsty, you know, deer is not like, uh, I can take it or leave it, you know. Maybe I'll come back tomorrow and get some water. He is pursuit of that water if he's thirsty. And, uh, you know, it's a self-satisfaction is a curse and a disease. Right? And uh, I prayed recently for myself because it's so easy to get, you know, in the flow and just float downstream and being self-satisfied. You have to stir yourself. You have to make diligent effort 
uh, to enter into the spirit-filled life because there's opposition both from the enemy and the world to keep you from being a spirit-filled Christian. Y'all know that. I don't have to tell you that. But, uh, you know, uh, the Bible says if we, we diligent, we're to diligently seek, to wholeheartedly seek. You know, I heard a story about a young man that, you know, that, uh, you know, was uh, asked a teacher. He was a young man, and I think it's just a, you know, fabricated story. Hopefully it is. Uh, that uh, the young man went to the teacher and says, you know, uh, what does it mean to diligently or wholeheartedly seek? And he took him to the river, and they waded out in the ways, and they got out about neck deep, and he stuck his head under water and held him, you know, for like a minute or two, and finally he let him up, and uh, he's just gasping for air. And he said, when you want God the way you wanted air, he said, you'll find him. <laughs> right? And so, you know, I think that we, we can ask, even if we're not hungry, it's good to ask God for hunger. And then I said a comment on Sunday morning at the end of the sermons about your motions will follow your will. And about talking about setting an oven. Uh, you know, you can put an oven on 400 degrees, stick your hand in it, and it's going to feel like it's still 70 degrees, right? But when you set a thing... Right? And the Bible talks about us setting our affections on Christ Jesus. And he even talks about with, if we've lost our first love, he said, go back and do the first works. Well, what does doing the work have to do with getting the love back? A lot. If you do the works associated with your first love, your will and your purpose set on that will cause your affections and your emotions to get back in it. Amen? And so, you know, you can just like, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, you may not, you have to, this is by faith and not feelings. You may not feel a particular way, but, uh, you know, you can set your heart that direction and sooner or later, your emotions and feelings are going to follow the way you set your heart. Right? I mean, just like if you're, like someone said, it's humorous, but someone said if you're, if you're halfway backsliding or you're backsliding, just give a big offering in the church. <laughs> the Bible says where your, <laughs> the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart will follow your money, you know, if you just, <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep myself from backsliding here. So I'm going to make a big investment. I, I, I can't afford to backslide. I've, you know, put too much in, you know. Are you still here? Praise God. I believe the Lord is helping us, making us hungry. Uh, you know, the old saying is you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. But, the, you know, corollary to it was you, there's no rules against not putting salt in his oats. And, uh, you know, you can, you can put salt in your oats, so to speak, by, uh, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says covet uh, earnestly, covet earnestly the best gifts we're supposed to be hungry for and covet earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. Well, the Bible said to do it. Well, I don't feel like doing it. 
or I don't feel, uh, you know, like earnestly pursuing the things of God. Well, he said to do it, and the enablement to do it is like Peter getting out of the boat. He said, come, the power to walk on the water was in the word. So there is power in the command to covet earnestly the best gifts. I can do that because God said to do it. And there's enablement with the uh, direction and admonition and the command to do it. If God said, uh, be being filled with the Spirit, then there is power and there is enablement to be filled with the Spirit. And even if I don't feel hungry, amen. And you, you know, one of the ways to get hungry too is, is activity. How many knows if you're full and you're not doing anything, you're going to feel full? But how many knows if you go out and work a bunch and serve a bunch and do a lot of things and burn some of those calories up, you know, then, uh, then you're going to get hungry again. Can you say amen? And so if you're doing some things for the kingdom of God, it necessitates an appetite just by virtue of spiritual metabolism. <laughs> Are you still here? <clears throat> Praise God. So what are the, again, what are the three things? A spirit-filled life is a, a command. And what else is it? It's a necessity. I have to stay spirit-filled. Amen. And thirdly, it is a pattern. It's God's will. It's God's design. It's God's pattern. So uh, Brother uh, Murray said people ought to seek. We're seekers. Amen. People ought to seek with their whole heart to be filled with the Spirit of God. Without being filled with the Spirit, he said it's utterly impossible that an individual Christian or a church could ever live or work as God desires. So there's no way to live or work as God desires without staying spirit-filled. That's point number two. It's a necessity. We will not be able to do what God wants us to do, nor live the way God wants us to live. Uh, it's only this spirit-filled life that's going to please Him. Uh Charles Harrison, whoever Charles Harrison was, I don't even know where I got some of these quotes. <laughs> if y'all see Charles Harrison, tell him I said hello, okay? <laughs> he said, the spirit-filled life, that life that permits God's fullness in a sustained overflow, is the only life that can please God. The spirit-filled life, that life that permits God's fullness in, in a sustained overflow. Thank God for Christians that have an overflow. Amen. You know, uh, when I think about Christians having an overflow, I think about Darren. He's not here, so I'll talk about him. <laughs> But, you know, hanging around Darren, Darren's usually got an overflow. <clears throat> Can you say amen? And that comes from staying filled with the Spirit. Can you say amen? Well, how many knows that Darren is one of the lucky ones, only just a few, that God wants to have an overflow? 
and the rest of us just, uh, you know, are kind of can admire and look on with, uh, uh, you know, longing at other people that have an overflow. <laughs> no, God, God wants us to all have an overflow. And you know you have an overflow too, but you it's you and me here tonight. Uh, we can all have an overflow more often. You know some of these springs that run in the Arkansas hills? They don't dry up. They, they have a constant. Out of your belly, out of your innermost being, the Bible said, would flow rivers of living water. Spring, spring up. Spring up within me. Spring up, amen, within my soul. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. This church is to be, uh, uh, you know, like I, sometimes I go up to Roaring River, you know, used to occasionally and fish. I hadn't, you know, I've driven through there several times recently, but, uh, you know, going to Branson or whatever. But that spring comes right out of the ground. And if you drive by there and you stop and the trout pond is down and there's no water running through the little Cascade Falls, you're like, this is abnormal. Something is wrong here. Roaring River is not roaring anymore. <laughs> it's the quiet river, right? Well, this church, any New Testament church, the abnormality is, you know, it's normal for it to have an overflow. Right? It's, you shouldn't drive up and then there'd be like, I don't hear any water running. All the fish are dried up and laying on the rocks. All the trees are parched because the water's not coming out of the ground. No. There ought to be, a, 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 that's a characteristic of, of a living spring that it's to be overflowing. And so this church is to be a church of overflow and it's a church uh, like we said here, that permits his fullness in sustained overflow. <laughs> Say it with me. I am a Christian of sustained overflow. Not occasional intermittent. Uh, infrequent overflow. <laughs> but a regular, daily overflow, sustained. You know, one of the, the things that God accused Israel of in Jeremiah 2, he said, he said, you know, I have this against you. He said that you have forsaken uh, the living water. And he said, you've hewn out cisterns. Of your own bill. Well, a cistern is a man made tank, and of course, you know, if it doesn't rain, it goes dry. But he said, You've forsaken the fountain of living waters. God, had, God has enough sustained overflow uh, that we don't ever have to have an uh, old experience. We don't have to eat stale manna. Every day they could go out and gather new manna. Can you say, man? And they could drink uh, new water. 
And so uh, we don't have to have a God that, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, stale, you know, uh, you know, uh, old, you know, experience God. We can have a fresh experience if we're hungry, if we're expectant. Amen. And if we're desirous to have that. I skip this quote. I'll go back to it because, man, it just smacks you in the, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a sucker punch. And it's by Charles Finney, and Brother Finney never did spare words. I mean, he was just as, as you know, as candid and as blunt as you could get. But he said, Christians are as guilty for not being filled with his with God's Holy Spirit as sinners are for not repenting. Would you think a sinner that wouldn't repent was guilty? He is. Right. The Bible says that Jesus came and said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, it's a command to repent from our sins. And he said, Christians... <laughs> I know y'all are loving this, aren't you? Christians are as guilty for not being filled with His Holy Spirit as sinners are for not repenting. And of course, Brother Finney, in Brother Finney's candid, uh, I'll take you to, to the last notch, he said, they are even more guilty. So far as they have more light, they are the so much more guilty. <laughs> How many knows, you know, more is required of a 14-year-old than a 4-year-old? Why? Because a 14-year-old knows more than a 4-year-old. Can you say amen? And you know some things about being spirit-filled. So you can be, be, spirit, be being spirit-filled. Amen? Well, I'm not going to stop on Brother Finney's. I'm going to read at least, at least one more. <laughs> uh, I know, you know, so, how many know sometimes you need to, you know, end on a good, good, strong, you know. I know I was actually at a particular meeting and a minister spoke. And I mean, oh boy, did he ever shell down the corn. <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, it was pretty, you know, just... You know, and sometimes we need those, you know, jerk the slack out of our chain type things. And he said, you know, and of course, uh, uh, Brother Joel Osteen, you know, always ministers with a really good positive, builds you up. Uh, you know, you're going to make it sermon. He said, I think I'm going to have to go home and watch three sessions of Joel Osteen. After <laughs> <laughs> we need it all, don't we? <laughs> No, no harm intended toward Brother Joel. Everybody say, I love Brother Joel Osteen. <clears throat> They're doing a great work down in Houston, Texas. Uh, here's another brother that said, he said, the great purpose in the filling of the Holy Spirit is for power, for service. That's what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. He said, to, you know, tarry in Jerusalem, you know, he said, you shall receive the power of, of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you'll be witnesses. That's serving or, you know, being his witnesses. 
He said, uh, the great purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit is power for service. He said, the best and the most used Christians known to me have been men and women who have testified to a deeper experience of being filled with spirit. So who's the best Christians in church? Remember Acts chapter 6? Go there. We'll close with this. Say, I'm one of the best. I stay filled. Amen. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 starts with and, so let's just back up and pick up a verse above it. Uh, And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring. So what do we know? Those guys are not (laughs) spirit-filled. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So we got uh, Jewish people, Orthodox Jews, and we got Greek-speaking Jews, and we got widows in both camps, but some of the Greek-speaking widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. There wasn't any food stamps back then or any programs, right? And the church was responsible for helping these. Uh, Verse 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not right or reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Have you noticed that the pastor or the church leaders have to mow the grass and, and clean the restroom and, and uh, do everything? Then it's going to cause what you get ministered to to suffer. Right? And that doesn't mean that they're better than anybody else. It just means you got to, you know, somebody said if you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. You've got to stay uh, with what your responsibility is. And that's why all of it is important. None of it is insignificant. Everything uh, that's done is necessary to get the whole thing done. And uh, everybody shares in the rewards of it. Amen. I mean, knows it makes sense if I couldn't minister, uh, if, if the clean team hadn't cleaned the facility and I was distracted by seeing trash or, or you know, dirty areas, uh, you know, uh, if I couldn't, if I can't minister without that being done, then the very fact that I can't do it without that being done must mean the same reward is going to go to them as to me, because it's all getting it done together. We're sharing together, right? So it says, uh, because their widows were neglected in the day, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, "It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." or to take care of the administration of the food program. Uh, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men. So they said, find seven guys. Now I'm going to go back to this quote. He said, uh, he said, 
The great purpose in the filling of the Holy Spirit is power for service. The best and most used Christians known to me have been men and women who have testified of a deeper experience. So the best and most used are Spirit-filled. Not that they're better. They just, you know, you do the job better with the anointing and Spirit. So it says, verse 3 says, Wherefore, brethren, do what? Look ye out among you seven men. So here's the qualifications or the criterion for the men that they sought for. Uh, First thing, what were they? Honest report. Other translations say they have a good reputation. Yeah. See, if you were going, if you were going to have a doctor to do an operation, and uh, you said, well, what kind of reputation does he have? He said, well, the last eight operations he did, he botched them, and a couple of those people died. Would you want to go to him? No. <laughs> you, you would want somebody with a good reputation, right? A good report. So he said, look out from among you seven men of honest report. What? What's the criterion for picking these guys? Full or filled with the Holy Spirit. So they chose Spirit-filled people. That goes right along with this quote. And this goes to what we're talking about. It's a command, it's a necessity, and it's the pattern. And he said here, he says, the, 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 this guy said, uh, who Edwin Orr is his name. So if y'all see Brother Edwin, tell him I used his quote tonight. <laughs> I don't know any of these people. This is kind of a disclaimer in a way. But he said the best and most used Christians known to me have been men and women who have testified to a deeper experience of being filled with the Spirit. See, so, yeah, but I know uh, ministers that are not per se, filled with the Spirit as we would qualify filled with the Spirit, and they're excellent and do a good job. Well, the only thing I can add to that is they could do even a better job if they were Spirit-filled. And I'm not taking away anything from anybody in any way, but you can do more filled with the Spirit with the New Testament pattern than you can without. So he said, Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Just because you speak in tongues don't mean you have wisdom. <laughs> Are you still here? You need some common sense and wisdom, and the Lord will give that to you. And if you don't ask, the Bible says, If any man lacked wisdom, let him ask of God. Can you say, Men that give liberally to all men? He said, whom we may appoint or designate or put, you know, over this business. Verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5, and the saying please the whole multitude. That's one of the biggest miracles in the book of Acts. <laughs> Everybody in the whole church was happy. <laughs> Are you still here? The saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. He was a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, Proselyte, Antioch, when they had set them before the apostles, when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased. 
the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Can you say amen? Say it's a necessity to be filled with the Spirit. The best Christians, the most used Christians, are those that maintain a sustained overflow. Say it with me. Maintain a sustained overflow. Be being filled. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God. Well, stand up with us. Thank you, Lord. Well, we just can't go any direction past the pattern that God has laid out for us. In his word. Amen. And this is a spirit-filled church, and we're spirit-filled Christians, or maybe have been spirit-filled. But uh, we are to continue to be spirit-filled. So, well, I hadn't been spirit-filled, you know, or hadn't been, you know, had a fresh experience. How did I get back there? Well, praying in the spirit is one path back into, you know, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know, often if I get, you know, am refreshed and filled with the Spirit, I don't start singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I start praying in other tongues. And after a while of building myself up, either reading the Word of God or praying in the Spirit, then I have an unction or I have a direction of the Spirit of God to speak a psalm or a hymn or spiritual songs. Can you say amen? And I know uh, modern life and society doesn't lend itself to, you know, to support. Uh, There's so many distractions to maintaining the spirit-filled life. But uh, if we're going to do what God called us to do, then we have to obey the Word of God. And so I encourage you, turn some things off if you need to at times or... Or shut some things down or reprioritize and just, uh, you know, it blessed me. Kelly, you know, shared just a little bit on Sunday morning. She said she had a little bit of a challenge time and she just said she had heard me talk about stirring, my, uh, stirring myself up. She said she did it and it was beneficial and profitable to her. Can you say, man? And so, you know, one thing about being spirit-filled is, is not having to get ready, but being ready. And if you stay filled with the Spirit, you're in a place of readiness for whatever comes. And uh, God don't want us to have to get ready. God wants us to be ready. There's been a lot of times, I'll admit, that I haven't been ready for things in life. But if we're led of the Spirit, He'll prep us and He'll be like, Spend some time building yourself up in the Word, praying in the Spirit. And if you follow that, then you're ready. You know, Wigglesworth often talked about uh, being ready. You know, but being living ready. And you know, if you're around Brother Hagin, he, he lived like that too. He just might, you know, say... You know, if you if you worked with him, it'd be like, why don't you take the service here in, you know, 20 minutes? <laughs> well, I mean, if you got filled with the Spirit that day earlier, it was good that you did, right? 
Now, he, you know, I'm not saying he operated, you know, loosey-goosey or like that, but just occasionally things, you know, would come up and you'd, you'd need to be ready, not have to get ready. So God wants us as a church to be a spirit-filled church. Amen. Let's praise God before we go. Uh, a couple of things. I want to praise, praise God because God is making us all. Uh, it's not up to God. We have to, for God to stir us up, we have to stir ourselves up. He didn't tell Timothy, Paul didn't tell him, you know, pray to God to stir you up. He said, stir yourself up. But as we stir our hunger up, God will get involved. Amen. And so uh, my desire is for all of us to be hungry for being spirit-filled for this life and for spiritual things and for us to, uh, to do this. And so if you want to pray in the Spirit a minute or two here, you just want to praise God that God is helping you. Uh, Thanksgiving is part of being filled with the Spirit, but we're going to at least take this action before we go to be a doer of what we've talked about tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. For the, you know, a good place to start is just thanking God for the greater one that lives inside you. Father, we do thank you that Jesus, upon leaving, gave us uh, the parakletos, prayed you, you sent him. We thank you that the greater one is in us and with us. We thank you for all the help that he's given us throughout the years. We thank you, Father God, that he's bigger, stronger, wiser than any. Uh, demon-inspired scheme or plan or any trial or test that we'll face in life. And Father, we, we give ourselves and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Oh, we bless you and praise you, Father God, for this great gift, for this wonderful blessing that we have to be edified and built up <clears throat> in the Holy Ghost. Mahajiendo liscovri etapalisa. Foven Berana Sel Kudri Shimonas Gilanga Filiprici Kinjitos Gemovriana Netiri Folebaj Dimijeli Mabando Jabrodus Gelevongiz Dinga Ainyenom Okurkai Felblili Vratanjo Pestin Batikin Mostan Zolo Dinya Hasta Negli Nerda Bristan Emifri Hantak Sel Buchiki Dago Ovli mira toksa petir zamvalan chink tani mimranda skilvora amarastasa. Fublesestain tablogan digida kumligant de mitgrang glibrug dange vluxemitnes glimitnange. Nereble brung night jil blili correctan to praskombelecheng wukdang yinimlek nan yinananaklana. Nurembring danglat groj de ale buri mananoliango. Kurakraklingish dangly blut ding yank non stonk wang lang drink not ching walk nan. Mlonek non ye emokan ye nan ye. Ning lank yang un dang chiklan yo roj wine and an inyanishake lanterstani. Toho nyihi papa suto. Namba yanglo urglanyo. Toglemenik shiple hestene vluten. Derna prosan kain in enmonye. Delok den yilaban godura nederstane afray. Turge die, Trimactes glimet near a glitlin in jeep line yank, one unank nanya. Hain wintegli, mirik de glisten tigle, shugli, yido, busta, kautak, sutan, 
Kifon, Fuban Stene Blesses, Mahaplastanakov, Vobleshti Bekesterpro, Baiminik Saplo Contes, Mondahanch, the pleasant Sato Contea. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Moson tasonte, he malecon bakito cor ande. O balakta abagala, facuta blehefefe, fafacadura andaka. M bastonte ikesco otor anecas, no chitos capapa gur dengle ate. Thank you, Lord. This is the way, this is the refreshing, this is the answer to so many things, even physical problems of infirmity that would attack the physical body uh, would be uh, dismissed by the presence of the anointing and the power of the Spirit as you're filled. Troublesome thoughts, anxieties of the mind, uh, distractions of this world, satanic lies that blind, yea, these things in the light of the Spirit-filled life, are melted away and the joy of the Lord that brings health and healing in thee would stay. So do not uh, walk in confusion and perplexity, but yea, be filled with the Spirit and know the joy of God's victory. For the light and the life and the glory of God in His presence divine has been made uh, accessible to you, yea, as you are mine. Yea, give yourself and yield yourself to this flow and allow living waters out of thee to go and you'll find that you have the sustained overflow and that you live in the joy and you live in the blessedness and others too around you, they are blessed. So enjoy this victory, enjoy this life and yea, pursue this path for it is the pathway right. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. That didn't come out of my head. You know that. I don't have a lot up there sometimes. (laughs) But praise God, we got Him within us. Amen. And we're going to have to yield more to this. Uh, There's no way that we can go into God's plan and purpose for us. Uh, Global missions, uh, you know, local evangelism. I mean, this is the anointing to be witnesses. Praise God. And, uh, you know, we can try to do it a lot of other ways. And there's a lot of churches out there trying to do it a lot of other ways. And we've been part of that before. But it just won't get done the way God wants it to do unless we do it the way he said. It is a command. It is a necessity. It is a pattern. Can you say amen? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www.faithbuilderschurch.net.